Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th of 2022 in Verona, Italy. This year will be an exclusively in-person edition. The main theme of the event will be all-round wine communication, and tickets are on sale now. The first early bird discount will be available until August 22nd. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. Italian Wine Podcast, a Wine to Wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th. 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit winetowine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2pm Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Alright everyone. And we are live. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, buonasera. Good to see you all again for another edition of Wine to Wine. Today we are here to talk about the topic, is working in the wine business really good for you? And it's a subject that for those of you who I've had conversations with over the last three or four years, it's been something very close to our heart. So, without further ado, I'm going to be joined by my co-presenter, Kathy Hoyer. Um, my name is Rebecca Hopkins. I am, uh, am the founder of A Balanced Glass. And hey, Kath. Hi, Beck. How are you? You're over there. I'm over here. But like, where is she? <laughs> um, hi. Your hi. bookcase is much fancier than mine. <clears throat> All right. I was just saying that, you know, um, so... I am. Uh, I founded Balance Glass in 2018, and Kath, you were day one, right up there, right alongside. And uh, we've had a journey over the last three years, for sure. And a question that has come up more than anything through COVID, right, is is, is working in the wine business really good for you? Um, so we have some interesting uh, insights to share with you today. So without further ado, why don't we bring up our first slide? So, so first question, a balanced glass. Who is a balanced glass? What is a balanced glass? Um, I was just saying, you know, Kath and I have led this community for just over three years, but really a balanced glass is many of you that have tuned in and thousands of wine professionals around the world. Um, our really our common uh, connector is that we all want to make health and wellness and our well-being a priority. Um, and our community includes people who are in operations and winemaking, uh, viticulture. Uh, we have community members who are in the wholesale space, whether they're importers, distributors, salespeople, um, in hospitality. We have a, a good chunk of our community in marketing, communications, um, promotions, trade events, and then agency and industry. We have a lot of members who are in regional organizations, um, viticultural organizations, promotional groups that are servicing the industry. 
So the thing about our community is it's diverse and it's as diverse and becoming more diverse as our industry is really looking at this subject around health and well-being and we're absolutely growing. Um, so let's go back to the question at hand on the next slide. Can working in the wine business really be good for you? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Beck, so much. And and kudos to you for starting up about glass with this idea, with really bringing the, the concept um, of wellness and how can we continue to stay well when alcohol is at the center of our work. We've been at it for almost four years now. And um, over that time, we've, we've generated a really robust community. Um, and we asked them this question, frankly. We asked them, what do you think? What do you think in anticipation of this presentation Beck and I knew we were doing today here at Wine to Wine? What does the Our About Abounds Class community think about this question of can working in the wine business really be good for you? What matters to you when it comes to wellness in this industry? Um, so we're excited, very excited today to share with you that response. It's in a way a, a world premiere um, opportunity because we've never done this before. We've never asked the community uh, for their feedback and have gotten such a robust response. Clearly, this is a topic that matters to the community, to those people who, when you come to the United States, when you go to Australia, when you are doing market visits, these are the people who are in the car with you. These are the people who are on the floor selling your wine. And this is what they think. This is what we think about the answers to this question. Um, so the very clear response, can working in the, in the wine industry be good? And can we be well when alcohol is at the center of our, of our work? What we heard from the community is it's the very clear response is yes. Yes, we can be well while we're working with wine. Yes, we want to stay in the industry. As a matter of fact, we want to stay in the industry. We like it here. Um, the, a surprising to me, for sure. I don't know if it was a surprising to you, Beck, but for me, for sure, it was surprising how many in the percentage of people who said they have no intention of leaving the wine industry. Yeah. We're here. We're here. We want to be here. Yeah. We. The system is not broken. Um, and we know that there's more that we can add to it. Uh, I think that this is why uh, sort of the, the, the very strong yes response that we got here through this feedback that we, that we pulled the community around is a very big reason why we're not seeing the mass exodus from the wine industry that we're seeing in other segments and other sectors of the hospitality world, restaurants, for example. Um, there's, uh, there, there's an enjoyment of this industry um, and there is a sense that, that we can indeed um, be well while we are working in it. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. Sorry, Beth. Go ahead. Go on. <laughs> you're, you're, you're thinking what I'm thinking. There's a, the response is clearly yes, <laughs> but there was also clearly a yes, but. Yeah. We're not coming at this with rose-colored glasses. We're not sort of glossing over the challenges. Um, especially not the challenges that COVID has sort of put a spotlight on. Um, and as we, especially as we're heading toward re-entry in a post-COVID world, we really wanted to underscore the fact that, yes, it's possible to be well, um, but there is work to do. Uh, the system's not broken, uh, but we can, in fact, um, do better, do quite a lot better. And um, for uh, 
much of the rest of the conversation today and our presentation today, uh, Beth and I are going to sort of tag team about ways that that, that can happen. So drumroll, please. It's sort of the first time um, that a balanced class is, is sharing the feedback uh, directly from our community. You'll see some verbatim uh, responses that we've heard. Uh, there has there had been so many, so many, so many great comments, so many thoughtful, uh, uh, really provocative comments that that we heard from the community, um, and we've sort of distilled it down into into three themes that we're going to get to in just a moment. Um, but let me let me show you uh, this image that that I love so much and that the Balanced Class team has put together. Um, but these are these are our people. This who when we talk about the Balanced Class community. This is who we're talking about. Um, Beck mentioned that it's a very diverse group. Um, these are uh, representatives from the 1,500 plus members of the Balanced Glass, uh, spanning nine countries. There's more than 800 um, subscribers to the weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday morning. Um, Every week, that newsletter and that website refresh content um, includes a community profile. And these are the headshots for some of the community um, that we have profiled. It's up to more than 150 now uh, people within the industry who have made a concerted effort to be well when wine and alcohol is at the center of their work. There's more than 3,400 um, followers over social media. And uh, sort of the, the gender split um, follows sort of the 65% female, 35% male. And about 70% of us are in the United States, uh, followed by Australia and uh, Western Europe. Yep. And Italy ranks number five, just for the record. <laughs> I mean, we've got Stevie Kim top left because you can't uh -huh. have an Italian presentation without Stevie. Um, Angela Peretti, there's probably, I'm sure there are faces here you recognize. Um, and the great thing is, uh, this community has grown really from the community, right? Mm -hmm. So people are bringing other people into the community. So we are meeting new people. We're getting more and more diverse perspectives as people are kind of taking a subject and taking it back to their, to their community and then sharing it back. Um, we even, I looked at the stats. We have a, we have followers from Moscow and Russia, which is amazing. Um, India and, um, and Germany and, and, you know, New Zealand and of course Australia. So yeah. Of course. We're a good bunch of, of rat bags. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, 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 what did this community tell us um, in response to the question that we asked? Uh, so, there was uh, quite a lot of overlap um, in some of the in some of the feedback that we heard, but there, we sort of were able to identify uh, three key components um, of of uh, insights that. The community is, wants the industry to know about how we can move forward in wellness together uh, with with each other. So um, please consider this. Uh, please consider Beck and I conduits. We're the communicators of this information, but really it's coming from uh, from these people, from the people who are part of your teams throughout the world, who are doing the right alongs with you, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So let me sort of uh, identify these three key themes. The first one um, is mindful consumption. Uh, the second one is the influence of culture on well-being. And the third is industry leadership. So you'll notice that there's a little bit of a trajectory here. Uh, mindful consumption is in a way a personal decision. Um, during COVID especially, uh, a lot of us, uh, 
cultivated um, more mindful practices around consumption. And it's worth noting that it's consumption of alcohol, for sure, consumption of wine, but it's also consumption of social media. It's, a, it's consumption of what we, what we take in for different, um, from different aspects of our day-to-day -day lives. So doing that in a more mindful way, that was at the top of the list of ways that, um, that the industry, uh, we want to continue in, the, in this industry, yes, and being more proactive around mindful consumption as individuals is one of the ways that we can get there moving forward. Um, the second, uh, the influence of culture on well-being, this is when we're sort of taking that, uh, that mindfulness that we cultivated as an individual, and we want to see it more in the workplace. We want to see it more translating into the places where we work and spend our everyday lives. And then finally, um, the third sort of pillar is industry leadership, uh, looking to uh, leaders, some of whom are on this call, uh, to uh, to step into the roles that advocate for wellness in a very transparent and public way. Um, Beck, can I just pause it for a second, see if you wanted to add anything to this before we dive into one of the some of the specifics? No, you're you're spot on. I think you know certainly um, you know the the respondent said these are everything I'm doing to set my boundaries, um, but I also need that to be escalated to a much bigger discussion, right? Which is around who I'm taking to work, like who is the person I'm taking to work? What do I need in order to be well? Um, and then what can we influence as individuals? And then what do we really need industry to start to do for us? So yeah, no, you're spot on. Let's go. Mindful yeah. consumption. I'm in. Great. Thank you. Uh, mindful consumption. Some of you may recognize um, this, this model here. Her name is Kat Thomas. She's a sommelier in Las Vegas and also the founder of Core Mind Body. Um, clearly she, well, she's been profiled um, within the Balanced Thoughts community and by the media at large, uh, but really taking a very, uh, very strong, proactive approach to um, literally embodying what mindful consumption means. Um, so we wanted to, to highlight the fact that there are the individual person-by-person uh, -person efforts to, to be more mindful around alcohol. Um, and it's, you know, in, in some ways, it's kind of gone in the other direction during COVID. You hear a lot, it's kind of villainized. You hear a lot about uh, people drinking far too much during COVID. But yet we want to underscore the fact that there is sort of the opposite side of that spectrum, which is people who have really taken a more proactive effort um, and undertaking to, um, to be more mindful about what they take in. So let me share with you verbatim uh, what one of the community members said. Um, well-being is more than just limiting consumption. Just not, it's not only about drinking sort of a more moderate amount of alcohol. Um, but it has to be paired up with, with efforts and initiatives around mental health and physical health as well. Uh, so sort of if you're, if you're just going to, um, kind of block in consumption around only the, uh, the consumption of alcohol, but without the other important variables of mental health and physical health, then it's kind of, there, there's, it, it's out of balance. There's no, um, sort of synchronicity there. Yeah. Beck, anything else there? No, I think what surprised both of us, we will say, right, is that mm -hmm. one of the questions we asked was, how are you feeling coming through COVID, like as it relates to your well-being and your health? And mm -hmm. overwhelming, it was better. 
right? Mm-hmm. Number of, like 65% of people feel better, up, you know, coming through COVID. Some of that, I think, is that awareness, right, of consumption and of really having to set boundaries just to get through days. Um, mm-hmm. So that really surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. I know it surprised you kind of like, mm-hmm. whoa, we have people who are, you know, really kind of making this a priority, which was, right. you know, it's encouraging for sure. Right, absolutely. And I think that there's a direct line between the people who, who make wellness a priority and the people who also are want to stay in this industry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I know that you're going to talk about that a little bit more um, in the other two sections. But, uh, but let me just drop in here a few practical ideas um, around mindful consumption. Um, I happened to have been on a business trip to New York on Friday, and I was sitting in the offices of the Italian trade agency when the call came in um, that the borders will be open, uh, the U.S. borders will be open up to visitors from Italy, visitors from everywhere on Monday, November the 8th. Um, so that sort of sent a beehive of activity um, throughout the uh, throughout the building, for sure. But as I was preparing for um, for the trip to New York uh, for, for business meetings, I wanted to to sort of provide a little bit of insight into what you can expect to be stepping into. Um, as I as I look at sort of the agenda and the schedule for the day, it was yes, I want to meet with you, and let's do it outside. Yes, I want to meet with you for dinner, and let's make sure that it has outdoor seating. The restaurant has outdoor seating. Yes, I want to meet with you, and let's walk while we're meeting, uh, so that we can get some exercise in, and it's outside. So those are some of the um, some of the things that you'll be that you'll notice is is different um, as we as we re-enter um, the workspace or the workplace in a in a post-COVID world, especially um, as we're as the borders are opening up again and we're able to travel more often. So, anything you'd like to add to that, Beth? Oh, okay. I'm heading there Wednesday, so um, <laughs> right. I, got a, I got a similar plan. <laughs> a <lot> right. Of- <laughs> right. And then the, the second um, practical idea I'd like to share um, is that every um, I'm, a, I'm a mindfulness teacher, I'm a yoga teacher, um, and one of the ways I incorporate that into my everyday work life is to take a 60 second pause, just a 60 second sort of moment um, to gather my team at the beginning of every meeting. So we come in, usually it's over Zoom, we come in, we say good morning, how are you, hello, how's it going, um, and then we, we set a timer for 60 seconds. And what it, it's a little weird at first, not going to lie, it's a little weird at first, but over time, we've gotten very used to the idea that, okay, so everything that's happened um, up today, up until this meeting, now I'm just going to pause for a second, take a breath, and now I'm going to focus and be here and be present with the people who are in front of me for this meeting. So those are two practical ideas around mindfulness um, and also sort of the mindful consumption of of wine, yes, but also uh, different uh, sort of things that are coming at us all all day long. Yeah. Great. All it. right, Beck. All right, Please. number two. So, so we're going to shift a little, right? We just talked about what we can be doing um, and some of those kind of self-care tips, whether that's mental health, physical health. Now we're going to switch into kind of the exterior influences that really came out of the surveys, people saying we really want to um, – to kind of develop. And the first thing is um, the influence of culture in in business. And what does that mean? I mean, yes, well-being is moderation, right? It's health and wellness. It's also financial wellness. Big, big influence to the overall state of well-being is financial security. And that is something that is definitely critical to um, 
for culture. The second thing is emotional wellness. You know, how are you doing? How are you really? What's really going on with you? And creating, you know, culture in companies or businesses or our daily lives is about a sense of belonging, right? And, and what COVID shown us is safety and health and, and our well-being become very, very important to us because it's what we have. And the, the thing through COVID is it united all of us um, globally. You know, you didn't meet a person, obviously, who was not impacted by this global changing event. So community and support has become critically important. So when we think about culture, if we, we think about the, the lines we used to have between home and work, right? We could have our home life with our families and our community, and then we would go to work. COVID has completely changed that in that home is work. You're sitting right now in my home office and we get a look into each other's lives. And so now as people are returning, those boundaries have really gone away. So the onus from a cultural point of view is to look at what are we doing as businesses, as employers, as, as community to to ensure that the, the culture we're creating is, is a safe place for people. It's somewhere people can feel safe, number one, that they're heard, they can feel empowered to make important decisions, and that, that they are included and contributing to, to business. Um, so having a, a culture in, in your workplace that is empowering, that is collaborative, that is that listens, you know, that listens to really what employees are looking for is increasingly going to become important. I want to throw to the slide just with a verbatim quote because I think this is an important um, point. Are you enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps or books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged and much, much more. Just visit our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now, back to the show. Again, from the survey, taking care of employees and supporting their well-being pays huge dividends, even if they're not monetary. Productivity would be greater if the wine industry cared more about the well-being of their employees. Mm-hmm. So, so that's when we think about, you know, help me be part of a bigger thing, right? The other thing is, is obviously in our industry, there's company attitudes around drinking and around drinking at work. And our relationships with alcohol have changed over COVID, some for the better and some for worse. And so we're all, again, coming back with new relationships, with new um, ways of working with wine that will invariably be different to how they were pre-COVID. So again, culture, right? Let's look at how we um, have people drinking in the workplace. Like let's let's understand that there will be people who will want to drink less. There will be people who have decided to not drink at all. And all of that is part of the fabric of the companies we're in. And it's a good thing. And it makes our community more diverse. So if we go through the practical things, Kath, did I miss anything on that? I just wanted to underscore the fact, Beck, and, and, and I know that I know that you're going to talk about it a, a little bit more. The um, if we look at the the sort of the, the verbatim quote here from a community member, yes, the the monetary part 
is very important. Yeah. And there, there's no doubt about it. And the financial stability, yeah. um, especially for working parents re-entering after COVID is yeah. a very real, real issue. Um, however, in addition, the, uh, the paying attention and, and, ex and for a corporate, for a, a company to communicate that they care mm -hmm. about the overall well-being of their employees, mm -hmm. that's, that's not monetary. That's, that is, that's an, that's an emotional touch point. It is, um, it, and it does pay div dividends beyond the, uh, the financial component as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, you know, one thing that came up in both culture and also leadership, of course, is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well-being in the workplace and well-being overall comes from feeling included and a sense of belonging. And that requires a focus on diversity, developing diversity, encouraging equity and inclusion to be part of our industry. And it's something I know we've made great strides on over the last three to five years, but we have a long way to go. So if we kind of think about the practical things we can do culturally, the first thing that we can do is really make diversity, equity and inclusion a priority in our businesses, looking at the systems that we have, looking at the ways we can improve um, how we have a representation that reflects our, um, our consumers and also obviously our broader workforce in leadership. Where do we have women in leadership? Where do we have ethnicity diversity, gender diversity um, in senior visible roles? You know, so I think diversity is one thing. I think creating these safe spaces, spaces where we can have conversations about real mental well-being. How are you doing? You know, how do we create groups that are collaborative where people feel safe to have that conversation? And then drinking in the workplace, you know, practically like taking a look at how are we encouraging healthy boundaries around, you know, the thing we're all here to do, which is, you know, create, make, sell, promote wine. Anything else before we move on, Kat? No, I'm excited for the next one as well. Right, right, it really, right, right. really ties in together. Really, and this is just such a such a great image as well. Yeah. So industry leadership, I love this image. How are you really? Um, and now we're really pushing that boundary to really say, you know, COVID has taken an incredible toll. Um, it's exacerbated many of the pain points that already really existed in our industry. And really what this is requiring is for leadership. Many of us on the call here are able to influence decision. Many of us on here are visible role models for the industry. And so really this is um, a call to say our community came back and said, we really need strong leadership from the industry to make this important. Um, you know, we all know that the impact of COVID on women, particularly working women economically and in the workforce has had, and the amount of exodus that's happening. I, I think the Wall Street Journal called it the mass resignation. Um, unfortunately, we are seeing people exit um, the workforce, predominantly women and working women, disproportionately, because we don't have um, flexible working environments because we don't have pay equity and because we, we don't have people modeling um, their own well-being and health. Okay. And so I think when, you know, when we think about what do we need from industry leadership, it's ways to create flexible work environments. 
so that working families have an ability to manage both being uh, in the demands of the business and also the demands of, of family. Yeah, um, and I think it, I think it's also worth saying here, Beck, that um, that if with what Beck is saying right now, it is is surprising to you or is new to you. Um, please dive in to the to the community because there are people within the Abounds Class community who have written incredibly articulately about this about this problem, about this challenge, and what they would uh, what they would need from their from their employers uh, mm-hmm. to make it more realistic for them to have that longevity of a career yeah. in the wine world. Yeah, yeah. Let's shoot to this quick verbatim quote, and then we'll get to some practical ideas. Um, Again, I think the conversations are beginning to happen and you can see wine businesses posting about wellness and wages and opportunities, but I don't see a lot of action. And so this is something really that, again, back to leadership, this is putting the onus back um, to say, okay, what can, we can't do everything and we know that, but what are some of the things we can do today that can really start to help drive well-being as a priority? So I'm going to close out on some practical ideas for this. Um, and I'm going to say the first thing as a leader you can do is put well-being on your calendar like you'd put any other meeting. If you are going for a run at 11 in the morning, go you, that's fantastic. Put it on your calendar because not only clearly it's a time management, but it, it indicates and it signals to your team that you're making this a priority. So that, that's a real easy thing that you can do. Um, on a bigger scale, you know, you can start to offer memberships or free um, connections to resources. A, a balanced glass is a ton of free resources for you to connect with for your teams. Use it. We built this so it can be used for free. It is not going to cost you anything. It will cost you time. Um, you know, an example that we got from the uh, Diageo was, you know, they have focused quarters of wellness. So they've said, okay, we know wellness is a priority. We're a large corporate with a responsibility, of course, but we're going to make separate parts of wellness a focus. So Q3 is physical wellness, and that's around gym memberships and, you know, competitions between sales teams on on marathon runs. And then Q4 is mental health, right? So really honing in on meditation, yoga, mindfulness, managing depression, anxiety. Um, so they've gone about it that way. But the, the crazy one we got, Kath, was the, the restaurant owner, right? Mm. Small restaurant. Um, again, we don't know who these people are, but a small restaurant, been around 70 plus years. And before every shift, they do stretching exercises. They do yoga moves in the kitchen. They do check-ins emotionally and say, how are you? So it's a check-in without it being a performance-related check-in. Um, and the feedback was, you know, the productivities gone through the roof so you know all things you can try um anything else come up Kat? no just that the um uh, to, to your point earlier back there's probably a direct line between that 71 year old restaurant yeah. um and staff retention yeah. for the for the leaders who are who are tuning into this webinar um yes there there's a lot of uh there's a lot of wellness reasons to 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 activate some of the ideas that we're suggesting here. Uh, but there is also, frankly, a, a bottom line question to or persuasion, really, uh, to do these things, which yeah. is staff retention. Yeah. Uh, that 71-year-old restaurant, those employees are not leaving. 
And I'm sure that financial, the financial component is part of it. But so is feeling that, that the, the people who are paying their, or signing their paychecks are also the ones who actually are checking in with them. And who are saying, how, how are you really? Yeah. We don't, they, they take that sort of billboard thing on the side of the huge building and bring it into the staff meeting. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so we're, we've got to get to Q&A. So I'm just going to close out with a quick quote from an incredibly motivating female leader in the industry, um, Anne Mukherjee, and she's the CEO of Puno Ricard North America. And, you know, this is a real statement to me. When I read this in an interview with Anne, um, it really s- spoke about what we need to do as, a, as an overall industry. There are a lot of things we stand against, but nobody really takes on the issue that alcohol is at the intersection of a lot of issues. If you truly want to be responsible, you can't hide behind it. It's time for us, if we are asking consumers to be responsible, to stand up and talk about what that means. And I think that that's a really important statement for Mm-hmm. A leader of one of the largest corporates um, in wine and spirits to really put a stake in the ground and say, this is what we're going to do moving forward. This is what we obviously, we have robust programs for consumer responsibility, uh, for well-being and health, but we need to take a look at ourselves and, and, and really model that to, to what we can do. So mm-hmm. let's get to the Q&A. Yeah. Um, Becca, I just very quickly just wanted to underscore the fact that this quote actually brings us in a way full circle. You launched a balance glass um, with an article for Miningers by Business International um, around why are we not talking about alcohol as as problematic, you know, and and to Anne's point here on the screen, like you, you took on the issue. The alcohol is at the intersection of a lot of issues. And here we are four years later. Um, having gone through a global pandemic um, and talking about sort of in some ways the surprising reaction or yeah. the surprising response from the balanced glass community um, around alcohol being um, actually a, an opportunity yeah. to live to live well in a professional and a personal way. Yeah, and I have to hand it over, um, we'll hand credit really to Felicity Carter, who was the editor in chief at Meininger at the time. And um, I'm it's killing me that I'm not in Verona right now with Felicity on sparkles um, because we're normally a bit of an irreverent bunch. Um, but, you know, Felicity, when this came up, she was the first one to put her hand up and say, I want to write about this. I want you to write about this. Um, and it was an issue that really created a lot of conversation. Um, and that's the gap we have right now, right, is we have – this conversation of really what the community is coming back to us right now and saying, we want action. Conversation's great. We want action. So huge hats up to Felicity and Meininger for for running that story. Now, of course, we see you're a journalist, you're a wellness journalist for Inc. You are seeing these trends being spoken a lot more um, across business. Um, Yeah. Yeah. what, What you're seeing, you know, in your role with Forbes and with Inc., um, that's coming across around this subject. Yeah, for sure. And so the, uh, what, what's really interesting to me back too is that the, um, yes, that article with Meiningers and Felicity was four years ago, uh, but there actually had to be a follow up to it, yeah. uh, because the, the feedback was, was so strong and there was so much that clearly needed to be said. 
So I think that the, the responses from the balanced class community in anticipation of this of this presentation today um, underscore some of the themes that that I'm seeing for sure. Mm -hmm. um, women in leadership roles definitely, you know, we're 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 on the path, but need to accelerate it for sure. Um, awareness and um, uh, act, an action around um, pay equity around working mothers and have and them having um uh been impacted negatively from an economic perspective uh, mm -hmm. more than more than anyone else how are how is the wine industry responding to to these issues mm -hmm. you know what's what's coming what's coming forth and so the um yes alcohol is at the intersection of a lot of these a lot of these questions um but i think that it's an exciting opportunity yeah. as we re-enter post-COVID yeah. for the industry and for leaders in the industry to really sort of step forward and say, this is what we're doing about it. Yeah. Um, and here is here is the plan. And this is the response that we've seen so far. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because we had a question sent in to say, you know, does the wine industry really is is the issue in wine? particularly with alcohol isolated to the wine business and the alcohol business you know and and my immediate answer is no um certainly the 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 difference between say the wine business versus um the finance industry the entertainment business even the legal industry is that we work with a frequency and a volume of alcohol so it is not isolated in that really any industry that requires client hospitality or requires an ability where hospitality and entertaining is part of the role, um, there are a lot of similarities. Um, and having spoken to, um, you know, people in those other industries is, um, no, we are not the only ones. So you have a conversation with an attorney, you'll probably have similar conversations. The difference with our industry is just the, the intensity of it. Um, and so that was a question from Richard Hoff that I really appreciate because, again, what we have is not broken. But we can absolutely learn both from other industry and also, you know, from ourselves. We we know we had just under 100 people who verbatim gave us input and said, you know, here is what we want people to understand. Um, and I think that we also have, we, we're subject matter experts, right, as an industry we understand how alcohol is produced and grown if we break it down to its basics. So we also have the most amount of information um, mm. to then help other industries also, um, you know, benefit from. Yeah. I feel like there's um, there's a moment here, Beck, where I would love to talk about the surprises oh, yeah. um, that, sure. that we saw. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of them that were certainly surprising for me um, for, in terms of the responses from the community. Um, so we, we sort of, the survey included um, check boxes and lists, but it also included um, kind of fill in the fill in the blank with, with more comments and responses. Um, two of the check boxes uh, questions. Um, one was, uh, do you expect to be in the industry? Um, how long do you expect to be in the industry? And one answer was, you know, forever. And the answer was for the next three to five years. And one right. answer was, you know, I can't wait to get out. Yeah. And so for me, um, a surprising number of people responded by saying, you know, I'm in it for the long term. Yeah. I'm in it for the long haul. So that was one surprise to me. The second surprise was um, 
around um, how how would you sort of talk about your wellness today relative to your wellness pre-COVID? Yeah. And a surprising number said, um, actually better, like I'm better today than right. I was pre-COVID. Right. And that was, I don't know if it was as surprising to you as it was to me, but those two, those two kind of moments of, yeah. of feedback were really significant to me, I thought. Yeah, and, and it takes me back to the survey we did at the beginning of COVID, right, which was a lot more exhaustive. Um, so we surveyed the community, um, goodness, in early 2020, and we really asked a lot of these similar questions. And so I would say that this kind of was more, felt more focus group, right, with a lot more verbatim information. But even if we look at the difference between how I'm feeling back in early 2020 to how I'm feeling today, you know, not surprisingly, I think that people are feeling better. But what did surprise me was the same thing. Like, oh, no, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I love this industry. Um, I want to be part of this industry and, and how it moves forward. And I think a hat tip very much goes to the work being done in diversity, the work being done in, um, you know, employee well-being as it relates to inclusion, as it relates to, you know, Julia Coney and the Black Wine Professionals Group, the Roots Fund, all of these people who are really working hard, the Drinks Trust in the UK to really drive community into a, a well-being place. So, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know why we thought people would be leaving. <laughs> uh, you know, we did, let's be clear, we did have a couple of people who did say, I cannot wait to get out. Um, and those people mm. generally... Again, we don't know who they are, but the, the commentary was very much around a lack of inclusion, a lack of flexibility, just impossible, you know, the lack of pay. Like, I just can't afford to stay here. Um, right. So, right. you know, we, we definitely had those. Right. Sure. And I think it was um, it was valuable. And, and I don't think that we said this yet, but the, the survey that uh, that we sent out was completely anonymous. So yeah. we, we don't know um, who the respondents were, yeah. um, but we do, you know, it was. Uh, also surprising how much time people took to provide the responses that yeah. uh, they were giving. Yeah. Um, so Becca, you mentioned um, the example of Diageo and the um, and the diff the way that they have sorted out um, uh, their their wellness agenda by quarters: physical health this quarter, mental health this quarter. Um, so what's really interesting to me too is that well, Diageo is a very big company. Right. Um, but then you also have the example that you gave to the about the, the restaurant, yeah. which is a very small company. And so I'm just kind of wondering um, any any thoughts or any suggestions for uh, for somebody in between? You know? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's funny. I, I think I'm that person. Right. My day job. I'm the vice president of communications at Folio Fine Wine Partners. We are a wine importer. We're a national wine importer. And. Every day I get up to represent the 30 families that we represent in the U.S. Um, and so I need from my employer things like flexibility in my schedule, you know, because we know this, that we live in a global wine industry. So you could be on 24-7. And when we talk about consumption of media for someone in my role, um, I could do that all day, every day. And so I need to have that flexibility. Um, to, to be able to manage my workload, of course, but my attention and my in, involvement in being in the public world. Um, you know, we have breathalyzers that we're given on the first day that we join the company to say, you know, yes, um, 
wine consumption is part of your role. We do have very clear protocols on drinking um, and, and tasting. And, but we have a breathalyzer that says, okay, with this tool, if you are out in the market and you've had a wine tasting and you're not feeling safe or you're not sure, you know, use your breathalyzer. If you are not, you know, below, well below the legal limit, take a taxi, get a hotel or get someone to drive you and the company will pick that um, tab up. The company will pay mm-hmm. for that. No mm-hmm. questions asked. Mm-hmm. And what that says to me as an employee is, huh, okay, so I can go and do my job, but I don't need and I can be present as much mm-hmm. as possible without fear mm-hmm. that if I spend that $42 on a taxi, I'm going to be pulled into, you know, the CEO's office to ask why. Um, right. So for me, that just gives me comfort. Um, and I, I'm not shy about my wellness and well-being. Um, people expect it from me. Um, and I'm, I'm totally cool to talk about it. I'll be in my office doing a forward bend. I don't care who sees it. I'll take five minutes to breathe. I don't care who knows it. Um, right. right. It's weird, but it makes a difference. Well, right. it's, it's also, it's also really clear though that more and more people are, are, are coming out, quote yeah. unquote, as, <laughs> as mindful people, yeah. as spiritual people. Yeah. Um, and I think that this, I think this community has helped to cultivate that. Um, and, and make it, and make it more okay. But also, um, and what I, what I appreciate about this session is pointing to examples like the, like the breathalyzer that Folio issues to employees or like the, like the Diageo example of, of different focuses each quarter. Um, or, or the restaurant or the, or the resort in Napa. So it's happening. It's happening. Um, we would love for it to happen more. Yeah. Um, and we would love to know about more of the examples, right? Like, like yeah. share, share with us. Yeah. Um, let me sort of put the, um, put the social handles up there as well as we could close out. Um, but, um, we would love it if we were more aware of the other initiatives going on so that we can share it within, within the group and just plant some more seeds of ideas. Right? Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Out of time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Thank you, Kath, as always. Thank you. We can talk about this for hours. I know. Have a great rest of Wine to Wine. Um, we'll see you online at balanceglass.com. And have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Ciao, 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 ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th, 2022 in Verona, Italy. Remember, the first early bird discount on tickets will be available until August 22nd. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net.
guys, I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.